0: We can see the headlines. They're, they're mostly not very positive. We, we, we see about gridlock in, in Washington and we can't even come up with a budget. We see steroids in sports. We see school shootings with our children. We see unending turmoil around the world and in the Middle East where peace seems so elusive. And just a few weeks ago, the Nation focused on a little place not far from here in Dell County where a, a bus driver was shot and killed, and a little boy about to celebrate his six year, year old birthday was captured and spent uh, a week in a bunker with a madman. And we're just inundated with that kind of news. And so we love it when, when there's good news, we love it when we find out that the boy has been rescued. We love it when he comes out. We love it when we watch the six-year-old birthday party. I was with the um, school superintendents that day as they celebrated Jeff Langham being superintendent of the year. And you could tell how that had been on them to know that it happened in one of their school buses. We rejoice on that kind of good news because we don't get a lot of good news today, do we? I mean, If you see headline news, you don't see a lot of the good things. And that's why this morning we begin a series we're going to call Headline Good News. And as Wes just mentioned, we're starting to study the Gospel of Mark and it will give us exactly that. First of all, Mark is the headlines. Mark is the shortest of all the Gospels, and he gets right to the point. Mark does not waste any words. Mark does not give the details of every story like the other Gospel writers. He just gets right with it. You ever been talking to somebody, you know, and they're giving you all the different things going on around it? I think us men, we're pretty bad. We want to say to our wives sometimes, give me what? Give me the bottom line. My wife's an incredible storyteller, and so, man, she'll be telling me the temperature of the room and the color of the carpet, you know, and who was there and what they were wearing, and, and I'm bad, I'm like, just tell me the bottom line, that's what I'd like to hear. If you're that way, you're going to love the Gospel of Mark, because Mark's the man that can give you just the headlines. He's going to give you the bottom line. That's also, it's good, it's good news. We're going to see the word gospel right off the top of the, uh, the book. And the word gospel means news of an exciting announcement, news that brings joy. Listen, the word gospel was not a a Christian word per se in the first century. It was a word that was used to announce something big time. There's an inscription found in the Middle East that almost matches the first verse of the gospel mark that says the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. What's it saying? This is life-changing news. This changes history. It changes the way the world is. And so uh, we're going to see that the news we're reading about here, the Gospel of Mark, is historical. It changes not just their world, it changes your world. And it's news. Let me tell you this, the Gospel of Mark is action-packed. Uh, One of the key words, if you want to understand the Gospel of Mark, is a a word you wouldn't think would be a key word. But it's the word immediately. Some 41 times in the Gospel of Mark, it goes immediately, immediately, immediately. Why? Because Jesus moves from one action to the next. The Gospel of Mark has the least of all the Gospels of the teaching of Jesus. The Gospel of Mark presents Jesus as a heroic doer of good deeds. our, Our retreat speaker this weekend was so wonderful. And he was talking about how there are different kinds of Christians who primarily are motivated different ways. He said there were head Christians that are more motivated intellectually. There are heart Christians that are more motivated relationally. And then there are what he called hand Christians that are most motivated by just going out to do. If you're a hand Christian, you're going to love this book because Jesus is the doer. And it goes from one story to the next of Jesus accomplishing something for the kingdom of God. It truly is headline good news. It's the headlines. Now my undergraduate major in college was broadcast journalism. And uh, I took a course, I remember years ago, about how do you write the first sentence of a story. Because in broadcast, you don't want to use too many words. And so the teacher taught us that you should only use, at most, 24 words. And in that first sentence, you want to answer those questions. The what, when, where, and who questions. You want to answer them. Mark would have made an A in the course. Because he knows how to distill it down to one line. He's very different than the other Gospels. It takes Matthew 16 verses to work through the genealogy of Jesus to ever get to who Jesus is as a king. It takes Luke 82 words to finally present Jesus as the Savior of the world. John does take only 17 words, but they're rather mystical, theological, and maybe a little difficult to understand on surface. Mark takes 12 Words in a simple sentence and distills the whole deal into a headline. Uh, Listen to the, the first 12 words, the headline used. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There it is. To circle some of those words while you're taking notes, there's some big words there. We've talked a moment about the word gospel. Well, what is the word gospel? The word gospel is a victory announcement. It's an announcement of God bringing victory to the world. And then you got the word Jesus. That's just his personal word, name. Same name as the Old Testament word, Joshua. Jesus, his name. And then you got Christ. For most of us, we think Christ was what? His last name is Jesus Christ, all right? But we, we find out that that's not it at all. Christ is a name for the Messiah, for the anointed one. The one they were expecting. But then here's the one that really stands out in here. Circle, Son of God. He's beyond just the Messiah. They're expecting a Messiah. But what they're not expecting is that the Messiah will be God in the flesh. And so Mark puts it all there. Now, he's made his statement. He's he's finished the headline. The question now is can he make his case? He said this is the beginning of the gospel, of the good news, of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, here's the question. Does he have any proof? And as we keep going through these first few verses, we'll see. He does pretty well. I love the old advice to lawyers. If your facts are strong, then hammer on the facts. If your facts are weak, then what? Hammer on the table, okay? Okay. Listen to me. Mark doesn't have to hammer on the table. He can hammer the facts. And just these few verses we're going to look at today, Mark is going to outline the facts that say, you know what, the headline is true. Let's just look at some of his sources, all right? Some of the, uh, I might even call the witnesses he brings forth. First of all, it's just himself. Number one, it's Mark. Now we might know Mark from other places in the New Testament as John Mark. He's the guy that's famous for going on the missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas and, um, you know, sort of leaving them. And later Barnabas, who loves Mark, wants to bring him back on the team. And Paul says, I don't dare want Mark on my team. He blew it in that situation. And Paul had a hard time forgiving him, it seems like. Now later in one of of Paul's books, he says, I want Mark to come to me. So there obviously was a reconciliation. But Mark is is a contemporary of these early disciples of Jesus. Now here's what's so fascinating about the Gospel of Mark. It's the first Gospel written. Latest date we can give it today would be 70 A.D. Earliest date would be 50 A.D. Guys, that's big time. At the turn of the 19th to 20th century, many of the higher critics of Scripture began to say, none of the Gospels were written before the 2nd or 3rd century and many people lost their faith because of that over the last 100 years we have had indisputable proof that the gospels were written much earlier and that mark was the first gospel written and and, and very early say well what does it matter whether it was written in 50 a.d or 250 a.d it matters a lot Because here's the acid test of any historical fact. The acid test of any historical fact is this. Can it be told in front of the people who know whether it's true or not? In 50, 60, or 70 AD, there's enough folks still hanging around that can go, Mark, you made that up. In 250 AD, who knows? So it's incredible. And this has led to actually many people coming to Christ. There's a book that was written in 1992 called Jesus Alive. It was written by a man who grew up as a Christian, A.N. Wilson. He had become an atheist. And he wrote this book to say Jesus was just an ordinary human being, no different than any of us. In the year 2009, he recanted his book and repented of his atheism and returned to Christianity because of historical evidence like this, that we have early writings of people that were there. So that makes Mark extremely significant. Now the second source, and this this makes reading Mark different, is, is Peter. From what we know historically, John Mark listens to peter and really the gospel of mark some call it the memoirs of simon peter there's a bishop in ad 130 who said that mark was the translator for peter who wrote all accurately that peter had remembered so what we think is peter is the one who gives mark all the information and mark writes it down accurately that is fascinating Because I believe that to be true because there is no scene in the Gospel of Mark where Peter was not present. He's there. And in the Gospel of, of Mark, we see some of the worst stories about Peter. So it's pretty interesting. When you're writing some history, you think if you had a chance, you might come in and sort of clean up your part of it. But that's the cool thing about the Gospel. God can handle the worst part of you and make it into something good. And so it's interesting here that Peter helps write it down. And and, and this gospel sounds like Peter. It's very direct. It's very passionate. We see Jesus in the gospel of Mark more emotional than any other gospel. Mark, though he's shorter, he'll throw in some descriptions of emotions at the moment that no other gospel writer does. In fact, most people think that the finishing of the Gospel of Mark was prompted by the death of Peter when he was crucified upside down in Rome and Mark was there and wrote this Gospel. So there's our first two sources. Now let's get into the book for a little bit. Source number three was Isaiah. Listen to these verses. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Made straight paths for him. He quotes from Isaiah. Now we know historically, Isaiah was written six or seven hundred years before Jesus ever came on the scene. It's an amazing book. Some people even call Isaiah the gospel of Isaiah. Because it gives incredible prophetic details about the life of Jesus. One of the great truths that Jesus is who he claims to be and that Mark's opening headline is true is that Jesus fulfilled prophecy that could have only been fulfilled fulfilled through the hand of God. Um, So folks have tried to uh, give us the odds of any man fulfilling prophecy just from Isaiah and it is astronomical. And so he brings Isaiah as one of his sources. And then that leads us into source number four, which is John the Baptist. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region, and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John's quite a character isn't he? He wore clothing made of camel's hair, With a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Now I baptize you with water. But he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist. Prophesied by Isaiah. The forerunner of Jesus Christ. What a character. In the wilderness. Now, we're not talking about a forest wilderness like we think about wilderness. We're thinking about a desert wilderness. Wearing this rebellious outfit, eating locusts and wild honey. What is the point of this guy? Listen, John the Baptist is the guy to clear the way for Jesus. What, What John the Baptist is trying to say is things are so messed up. This world's messed up. You guys are messed up. Everybody needs to repent and prepare the way for the Savior. And so that's not only John the Baptist's message. That's his life. Where he lives, what he wears, what he eats, all matches his message. He's saying we live in a world so crazy, so wrong. Let me just rebel against everything about it. Let me go out in the middle of the desert, wear this crazy garb, eat this unusual food, and just rebel against everything going on in our culture. Watching the video about the Father's heart trying to get control of those things is if one of us would go you know what i'm so sick of the materialism of america i'm so sick of my life being hooked around things let me just do this let me just go out in the middle of nowhere and get in a tent you know and just eat what i can pick and just rebel against the whole thing that's john the baptist he's saying things are so messed up we need a savior so badly let me shock you not just by my message. Let me shock you by what I eat and by where and where I live. And here's the cool thing. People flock to him. And they're being baptized and they're repenting. And the way is being cleared for Jesus. And then that brings us to the next witnesses, the next sources. That's when Jesus himself goes. And he goes out to be baptized by John the Baptist. Talking about shocking people. Look at verses 9 through 11. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. That's, that's a vivid word that only Mark uses. Not just open, it is, the word there is, it is ripped open. Something incredible is happening. It's torn open and the spirit descends on him like a dove and a voice from heaven comes. You're my son, whom I love and whom I am well pleased. What an awesome scene. How often do we see the Father, Son and Holy Spirit together? This scene is a reflection of the creation scene where God is the initiator of the creation of the world. Jesus is the one who does the creation and the Holy Spirit, using some of the same words, hovers over the face of the earth. And now we see the beginning of the new creation and once again we see the Father and we see the Son and we see the Holy Spirit. We see them all there together. There are some religions in our country today who say the Trinity truth of the Bible is not true. But you can't come to this passage without seeing they are three distinct personalities. Now, I'm not going to take the time to try to explain the Trinity to you today. Quite frankly, I couldn't if I had at the time. Right? It's mysterious. But but here I want to stop just a moment here and say the Trinity is a glimpse into the heart of God. It tells you a lot about what God is like and what he invites us to. And we see a glimpse of this in this story. Here is Jesus on the earth. He's being baptized. He's being endorsed by the Father. He's being empowered by the Spirit. Because what goes on within the Trinity? If you read the Gospels, you'll find out that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit glorify one another they're constantly encouraging one another it's a circle of perfect love they adore one another one of the greatest feelings in life is to meet someone that you adore who adores you the father son and holy spirit adore one another they glorify one another they encourage one another That's why we make a big mistake if we get to the creation and we say, God was lonely. And so God needed to create us to fill a void in his life. That's not true. God was not lonely. God was not unfulfilled. God was not lacking love. It was a perfect circle of love. So this isn't in your notes, but this may be the best thing that you could write down from this message this morning. The world was created by the triune God not so that God could get love, but so that God could give love. You got that? The reason all of this happens is not because God is hurting and God is lacking and God is lonely. They've existed for eternity in perfect love and bliss. But God wants to share that love. And that's why my friends, You know, relationships of love are what the Christian life is all about. It's about us being invited into the fellowship and love and communion and adoration of the Trinity. That's what's going on here. And so we see this shocking scene where Jesus, who has no sins, comes out into the wilderness to be baptized by John the Baptist. What's he doing? He's identifying with us. He's saying, I'm coming to be one of you guys. Oh no, I have no sin, but I want to so completely identify myself with you. I want to get in the line to be baptized just like you get in the line to be baptized because I am one of you. And in this great scene, we see the Father saying, man, I love my son. And with the Spirit coming as a dove and landing on him and empowering him, it's a great scene. So here we go. What are your sources, Mark? Well, let me top it all off here. we got the Father and we got the Spirit going. This is the one. And let me throw you one more in. This one may surprise you. The the, the last source Mark gives here in this first chapter here is Satan himself. You know, if we're talking about a courtroom, we're saying Mark is calling a hostile witness. He's a witness that doesn't want to be there, but he can't help it. Listen to what happens. Again, here we go. Here's that immediately word. At once the Spirit sent him out in the desert. Is that not weird? The same Spirit that has just fallen on him in his baptism now leads him into the desert to be tempted. So at once the Spirit sent him out into the desert and he was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him. You say, how can Satan be a witness? Let me tell you this, guys. If anybody knows who Jesus Christ is, it is the devil himself. Because he has thrown every temptation he knows, he's thrown the kitchen sink at Jesus, he's thrown every bit of mud against the wall that he can, and none of it sticks. Now, understand here, guys, this is just the beginning of the temptation of Jesus. Another gospel would throw in here, that Satan does leave into an opportune time. He's not giving up. But Jesus never gives in. Now, it's sort of interesting here, Mark, throws a de- Mark leaves out all the different three temptations. He's not too interested in that, but he throws an interesting detail in here. Jesus was with the wild animals. Now, why would he throw that in there? Because he's writing this gospel to Roman Christians who are in the middle of persecution, who are being thrown to the animals. And so to them, he's saying, you know what? Jesus has been right where you are. He's taken everything that Satan can throw, and he's still standing. He truly is the Son of God and Then we get now we see all six sources. Just look at all those up there Mark has made this incredible headline announcement that Jesus is The Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ Okay, Mark. How can you back it up? Well, I've seen it in my own life. I've heard it from Peter He was prophesied by Isaiah he was prepared by John the Baptist the father and son have endorsed him and even Satan himself knows who Jesus is so we've seen the announcement we've seen the evidence and the sources now for the first time in the Gospel of Mark let's hear from the Savior the first red letters in Mark's gospel appear in verses 14 and 15 after John was put in prison Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of god the time has come he said the kingdom of god is near repent and believe the good news so now jesus joins into that he makes the historical announcement the guys just stop here for a second with me this is what makes christianity so unique Christianity is a gospel. It is really a news story. It's an announcement. It makes Christianity different than any other world religion. Every other world religion is primarily advice about life. It's primarily do's and don'ts and commands. You got it? Now, Christianity has those things, but that's not the primary thing about Christianity. The primary thing about Christianity is that it is an announcement. It is a life-changing, history-changing announcement about what God has done for you. In every other religion, it's a book about what you need to do for God. Christianity says, no, the most important thing is not what you do. The most important thing is what God has done for you. And that's why it is this glorious gospel, this good news that we hear that God has broken into history and everything has changed. So guys, what I want you to hear this morning, more than anything as we start this gospel. We'll get to the response in just a moment. Jesus gives the response. Because you need to understand today the, 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 what makes Christianity such good news because it, it's not good news just to give you a new list of things you need to do. We've already blown whatever list we had before, right? A longer list doesn't give me a lot of hope. This gives me hope. Because this says, let me tell you the foundation of your response of what you do of keeping the commandments is a response to what God has first done for you. As we talked about over the last month, God has pursued you. God has come after you. God has made an announcement that everything changes in history and even in your life because of this man, Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God. So what's the response, Jesus says? Let me give you three words. Jesus says you need to repent. Okay, if you, if, you, if you see this, you need to repent. What's the word repent mean? It means to reverse course. It means if, if, if this is life-changing use in your life, then it can change the way you live your life. Jesus came not just to be your Savior, He came to be a model of life. So you are walking this way, you reverse course and you walk this way. The, the second word is believe. Jesus sort of mixes up our order, but I think it's appropriate here. Repent. Believe. Repent. Reverse your life. Believe this. Embrace this is true for you. Guys, if you're listening, this can change your life. If you believe this, everything bad about this life is being undone, and one day everything will be made well. And then that leads us to the last response. And this response that we need to do together is that we need to rejoice. Jesus comes to bring life back the way it should be. He begins to heal things on the earth. One day He'll come back and every good thing you believe will be true and every sad thing you believe will be untrue. It's that good of news. Now, now listen to me. This announcement, this Bold announcement by John Mark. Man, it's an upheaval. After the writing of this book, Christianity explodes in Rome and its provinces. They've got it written down. They've got historical evidence of who Jesus is. They've got the sources. And it explodes because it's unlike any news anyone has ever heard. And listen to me. As we said leading up to Mission Sunday, it's exploding across the world. I got this wonderful Facebook message. Rusty actually, I mean, Randy... ryan boys are i know that ryan from your brother rusty the other day who is in india and he had been listening on on um on over over the internet to some of the messages on pursuit he said hey buddy i want to tell you how much i appreciate your current sermon series i've been in india for two months and i've listened to a handful of sermons during the week to keep myself fed I was struck by your message last Sunday because of my exposure to Hinduism. It was a message where we talked about the uniqueness of Christianity. I've been struck by the wonderful, unique nature of Christianity. Everything here in India that I've heard about Hinduism has been about the power of a multitude of gods. A hundred or more. But there is no savior there is no Christ. There is no grace. Christianity is sweeping this nation because it offers something that nothing else can hope. Listen, the ancient world was swept by this announcement of good news. Parts of our world today are being swept by the announcement of this good news. Here's the sad thing, guys. North America and Europe, Christianity is diminishing. What's our deal? What's happened? Have we forgotten the power, the impact of this message? How about in your life? Is this news sweeping across your life? Is it changing your world? Do you believe this to be so true that you are reversing course? You've been living your life for you. You've been involved in some sinful things you know God doesn't like. You've been selfish, materialistic, you name it. And you found out this good news about Jesus and you believe it, embrace it. You have turned around and now you're rejoicing because you have hope. Here's my fear for us, guys. We've heard this story so many times. It's become old news and not good news. We've been to so many church services, we've sung the right songs and done the right things, but we have forgotten how earth-shattering, how life-changing this message is. So I challenge you, as we get into the Gospel of Mark, read it afresh. We just looked at some verses that there's a lot more depth than what I've been able to go through today. I challenge you, get into it this week. Look deeply into the baptism of Jesus and what it means. Look deeply into the temptations. But don't forget the headlines. Don't get so enmeshed in the details that you forget the headline that changes everything that this is the beginning of the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. Could this be the beginning in your life this morning? Is there someone here ready to follow Jesus? Is there someone here who needs to commit your life or recommit your life to Jesus? Have you forgotten how good this news is? He's not denying there are problems in your life. There are sicknesses in your family, you know. There's financial stress. There's relationship issues. He's not denying any of that. But in the midst of that world, he brings, I like what Rusty said, what no other religion can bring he brings hope. And maybe this morning you're here and your life is just so messed up. What you need today is some hope. I mean, you've gotten so bogged down in the details and struggles and difficulties and challenges of life and your own sins and the sins of other people that have hurt you that you need this morning to hear some good news. And today I invite you to to respond to this good news and let us pray for you that God would give you hope in the midst of this world. If you need to come, why don't you come right now while we stand and say.